Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for you. Uh, We thank you that we can come this morning and enjoy your presence. Uh, Lord, would you engage with us in our hearts and minds this morning? Uh, Lord, would you speak to us? Uh, Lord, would we be encouraged to know you more, to rest in you more, to enjoy you? Lord, what a privilege it is to be called sons and daughters of you, to have that intimacy and relationship. So, Lord, we just pray today that we don't hear from Sam, that we hear from, from you. Uh, Lord, we pray that as, as a team that we fade into the background and that you are exalted, that you are lifted up in all we do and say. And everyone said, Amen. Awesome, guys. Well, good morning and welcome to church. I'm Sam, one of the team here, and uh, there's a fair few new faces and a lot of people away on holidays. We just finished the camp on Friday and we've got a camp tomorrow, so it's a bit of a, a crazy transition uh, this period over this weekend, but um, trust that you're doing well and uh, have and enjoy enjoy meeting each other. I'm going to move some of these things because I'm short. There we go. Well, today, a simple message, a short message, but I hope you get something from it. And um, I think sometimes we, we well, I'm guilty of this, can try to overcomplicate things, but there's a beautiful simplicity about the gospel, just coming back to the heart of, of what it is. So uh, we're going to visit this today about being or living unashamed. And uh, when I say unashamed, we... We might have a few different thoughts going through our brain, what that might look like. And uh, I thought the best way to, to demonstrate or to talk about being unashamed is to go to the extremes because I'm kind of an extreme guy. I, I, I struggle to be moderate in anything. So I found an extreme version of what it looks like to be unashamed. And I want to introduce you to Mr. John Westwood. Hi, John. Um, he, he's, a, he's a guy who, who is very passionate about his thing, and his thing is soccer, or football over there. If you, you, if you say soccer to a football fan, a true fan, they'll get angry. Uh, it's football. It's their thing. And uh, football's my thing. I love football. But I don't know if I love it this much. You see, John... John changed his name, legally he changed his name. His name is John Westwood, but he changed his name to John Portsmouth Football Club Westwood. That's his literal name now. And um, that, that's passionate, right? That's a fan. You know, if, we, if we're talking, you know, someone who's a fan, this is like a super fan. You know, you can have moderate fandom. This is like next level crazy. Um, he's, ha- he's got over 60 tattoos with uh, the, the name Portsmouth Football Club all over his body. Um, he embraces what it is to be this football club's supporter. Now, I don't even, I haven't even heard of Portsmouth Football Club before. I don't even know if they're any good. Um, he doesn't care, right? He's, he's owning it. Um, he even got the emblem of the football club uh, on his head, carved in his head and his haircut. And it's like, it's pretty impressive the length someone will go. 
Here's the kicker, but he, he, he even got the initials of the club, uh, FC, uh, PFC. He got them engraved in his teeth. Now, now is, this, is that inspiring anyone to, to do something similar? Look, I'm a fan of, uh, of Jesus and I'm a fan of church and, and the good news of him. I'm probably not going to get it engraved on my teeth. Um, if we've got a, you know, a dentist here, Ross would probably have questions about the hygiene of, of that. Uh, probably not advisable for you to get it engraved in your teeth. But we understand what it is to, to be so engrossed by something that, you, that he's unashamed by it. So this guy, John, he's unashamed by his club. Now, if they lost, I think he would probably be fairly traumatized. It's very hard to hide his outfit, very hard to hide who he is. Uh, he is living unashamed for what he believes in. Now, I'd question whether what he's believing in is worth going to that level and to that extent of being such a fan, but maybe it's an incredible club. Maybe it's just, just worth it. Maybe. I think the, the key thing here is, is what, are, what are we valuing? You see, he values that club. He maybe values the players or the team, but there's something that he sees in that that is worth the cost of looking ridiculous. There's a value there that he owns, that he has, that he's taken hold of, that it's worth looking ridiculous. And uh, we, we're going to turn to 2 Timothy. If you've got your Bibles... Really good to bring your Bibles along so you know and so you can challenge what we say. You know, is it actually saying that? Really good. Uh, but if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read together from 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 because Paul, Paul's, this is Paul's last letter. He's writing an encouragement. He's affirming Timothy. Paul's in a Roman jail at the time as he's writing this. And this is the last thing that we know that he wrote to, possibly the last thing he wrote to anyone before he was executed for his faith. So the context of this is incredible. Here's Paul writing this letter to Timothy, about to die, and he's not even concerned about what's in front of him. His concern is with Timothy. His concern is the legacy, the people that, that he loves, and he, he's encouraging, he's praying for them. He's not even praying that he gets out of jail. He's not even praying that he escapes what's coming in front of him. But his passion is for Timothy. And uh, so there's some real encouragement here. And, and the encouraging thing that he says, he really hits home, he hammers home the idea of living unashamed for Jesus. And we're going to read that together. Uh, verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit does not give us, does not, God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Verse 8, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. It's a beautiful thought. You know, if you look at the context, imagine Paul in prison about to die. And he's like, hey, guys, live boldly, live unashamedly. He's like, Timothy, don't be ashamed of 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 me don't be ashamed of jesus and that's uh we can we can say that and it's like oh that sounds really simple but it's a real challenge in it to the world um sometimes believers we can look like john westwood sometimes we can look ridiculous what are we going to do with that my question to you is is it possible 
to be ashamed of something you value. Can, can, you, can you be ashamed of something that you truly value? So I wonder, I wonder if sometimes we, we live ashamed of Jesus, we live ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And so getting up and saying, hey, you ought to be more bold and courageous is one thing, but I think it speaks from this place of do we actually value Jesus? Do we value the good news of him? Because if we really value the work on the cross, if we really value what Jesus has done, then, then living on a shame kind of just happens. I, I love watching football stadiums. Just These people just rip their shirt off and they've got their team emblazoned on their chest in crudely written paint. They're, they're so passionate. They, their value is so strong. They identify with that group so strongly that they are willing to look ridiculous. My challenge is not that we intentionally look ridiculous, but that we value Jesus enough that even if you do look ridiculous, so what? Sometimes we can be ashamed of the church. And uh, there's a lot of reason for that. I'm not trying to deny that the churches across Australia, has, across the world, have lots of problems. The church is full of broken people who are broken. Jesus hasn't completely fixed or restored yet. You know, we can be ashamed of church. We can be ashamed of, of people, of leaders who, 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 who miss the mark. And that grieves God's heart as much as it grieves, or God's heart more than it grieves ours. That's his body. It's his people. So what do we do with that? Well, Paul is in chains. Paul is embarrassingly held captive. You know, this incredible leader of the church that, that God has used powerfully is in chains in a Roman prison. And his message is, don't be ashamed of this. Don't be ashamed of the condition that we're in. But lay hold of Jesus. And so often, so often I've been like, oh, just wanting to run away from the church. You know, you, you hear things in the media you're like, oh, I just want to get away. I want to disassociate myself with the body of Christ because it's like, yuck, what's happening in the church? But when we realize that we are the church and the church is God's body that he is, he is building and redeeming and restoring, it changes. It changes my heart. Instead of condemning it, I, I want to cheer it on. I want to encourage it. I want to speak life into it and speak health into it. And it's an attitude change for me. There's a communal concept of lordship. And, and when we accept Jesus as our Lord, it's, we're accepting the togetherness of each other. The Apostle Paul, he spoke 53 times. He said, our Lord. And only once did he say, my Lord. Because he understood that lordship of Jesus meant the togetherness, the collectiveness of God's people it was a collective concept, and it's really important that we understand that we are not free agents, that we are together, that we are a church family worth investing in, and God hasn't given up on church. It's his body, his people. Christianity is communal, and we can say in the safety of church that we value Jesus, but often our lives don't reflect that we actually value him. Often throughout the week, they betray a different reality. 
And we can feel ashamed. We can feel uncommitted. Sometimes we approach it more like a casual commitment. You know, like the Sunday is super special. Like on Sunday I'm committed. Monday looks uncommitted. And uh, we, can, we can approach it in a very casual style. Now, I, I, I was guilty of this in high school. I supported Manchester United. Um, back then, they were doing really well. They were a good soccer, a good football club. And um, so I supported them. But then they started losing, and so I unsubscribed from them and started supporting the next team that was doing Leeds or Chelsea. I can't remember who it was. Uh, I wasn't really committed to the cause. You know, if someone says, you know, do you bleed Manchester United? I'm like, well, they're winning, I do. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes we're committed to Christ so long as things are working. Sometimes we're committed to following him so, so long as things are, are working out and our expectations are being met. But Paul is saying, hey, hey Timothy, I'm in chains, I'm in prison, I'm about to die. I want you to be unashamed of Jesus because of the value of who he is and what he's done. Hold that front and center in your life and it lives you, allows you to be committed and not just casually acquainted with Jesus. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, you know, he's the only disciple that never acknowledged Jesus as Lord. As you read through the Gospels, all the other disciples acknowledged Jesus as Lord. They addressed him as Lord. But he, he never came to that place of saying Lord. And some believe that that inability for him to accept him as Lord was, was a big part of his falling away. See, he was called, but he never responded. He never committed to Jesus, to the good news of Jesus. And that's a challenge. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've come multiple times. Maybe you're coming for 10, 20 years. You've never really committed to Jesus. I want to encourage us to take that step and to consider moving from casual commitment to all-in commitment, to be committed to the person of Jesus. There's a, there's a beautiful thing. I love, I love taking weddings and I love speaking into uh, people who are getting married and just encouraging them because commitment is significant. And I love the marriage commitment because inside the marriage commitment, you've got the greatest intimacy. And inside the greatest intimacy, you have the enjoyment that's there. And I love that space seeing uh, there's, there's surveys, there's, re- not surveys, there's research that backs this idea that the greater the level of commitment, the greater the level of intimacy. And I think that's true in our spiritual lives as well. The greater level of commitment, the greater level of intimacy we have with God. Taking that step of commitment. Paul says, join me in suffering for the gospel. Says when the rubber hits the road, that's where our lordship is tested. Is he really our Lord and King? And that's a significant challenge. Have your expectations of the Christian life challenged your commitment to Christ? And do you need to make a deeper step of commitment? But sometimes we we would rather follow a camouflage Jesus. We want to follow a Jesus that that blends into the background. And uh, it's kind of not on the foreground, but in the background. is kind of not prominent in our lives, but is around, is like a, a fix-up, pick-me-up. And uh, the Gospel of Luke speaks into this really clearly. And uh, I like the CEV version of this one. It says, You cannot be my disciples, Luke fourteen twenty six. You cannot be my disciple, 
Unless you love me more than you love your father and your mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters, you cannot follow me unless you love me more than you love your own life. You cannot be my disciple unless you carry your own cross and follow me. And so instead of blending into the background and, and not Jesus being a prominent part of your life, Jesus is saying, hey, you, you need to put me as the greatest value in your life. Instead of blending in and becoming something in the surroundings, that we become a super fan of Jesus. You know, some of us are fans of Jesus. I think Jesus wants us to be a super fan of him. And I'm not, please don't engrave your teeth. That's not what I'm saying. If you're thinking here, the message for today is I need to get a tattoo of Jesus on my back. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I want us to consider moving from that place of just recognizing that Jesus is a cool bloke to recognizing him as Lord and King and Sovereign. That one day every knee is going to bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. And that is significant and we allow that to infiltrate through and affect our theology. Be a super fan of Jesus. See, the world didn't accept Jesus. And we shouldn't expect the world to accept us. So in some sense, we will stand out. We will, we will look ridiculous in a sense that we, we're called to stand up, but not necessarily, not necessarily stand out. See, sometimes standing up for our faith means standing out, but sometimes we can be obnoxious. Sometimes we can stand out because we like the attention. Now, I wonder if this guy, John, I wonder if he's more interested in the attention that he gets by standing out than actually supporting his club. Like, I, I don't know if tattoo, like getting his teeth engraved is going to support his team. Like, is a teammates, are the players on the field going to feel really encouraged by the state of his teeth? Probably not. It's probably more, uh, look at me. And sometimes as Christians, we can be more about, look at me, I'm standing out, I'm making a stand on this thing, than in love with Jesus. We can be more about what do I look like than who am I following. It's that value. We're not called to be weird. We're called to be faithful. Like weirdness is not our thing, uh, unless it's your personality and God's given you that gift of weirdness. Um, but like we shouldn't, we shouldn't go out there and try and become, a, a, you know, a centerpiece of talking discussion. It's not about us. You know, it's about us. As, as a church, standing strongly and boldly for him, but fading into the background. It's a worship band. As we fade into the background, Jesus is glorified. As pastors and preachers, we fade into the background and we lift Jesus up. It's all about him. It's not about how good we can present it. It's not, a good, it's not about our professionalism. But it's about Jesus. Is Jesus enough in your life? Is he, is he the greatest value that you have? Or do you have, are you a super fan of something that's more than Jesus? Is this something that grabs your attention more than him? We shouldn't be surprised when the world struggles with our fandom of Jesus. You see, the most terrifying thought is that God is good. Because if God is good, it means we are not. And there's a distinction that starts to play. The most terrifying thought a corrupt criminal can have is that the judge is good. It's terrifying because it brings accountability. 
And we don't need to look very far to see the corruption or the corrupt nature of our world. And it highlights that God is good. It highlights his value system, his belief system. And so we shouldn't be, a sh- we shouldn't be a surprised when we kind of stand out a bit. But what do we do with that? So easy, it's, we, we hide our values, we hide our beliefs, we, our faith, because we, we're ashamed of the conflict that causes. Maybe you're like me, you're a conflict-averse person, you don't like conflict. Maybe you're like me, you're a people-pleaser, you'd rather play safe than let your light shine. But Paul's encouraging Timothy, he's like, hey, get back to the value system. If you value Jesus more than you value people's opinion of you, then you're going to live a life that's unashamed and you're not going to be battered around by people's expectations. We don't need to look far to see the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. And gospel ethics are going to make people uncomfortable. Now, the very fact that you have a view on something is going to make some people uncomfortable. That should be okay. Stand firm for your faith. Sometimes we, we fall into the trap of defending our theology and not our faith. I think sometimes we can get so fixated on points of discussion and things that don't matter. I'm not talking about core foundations. I'm talking about things that we can, trivial matters we end up fighting over. We're missing the whole heart of loving Jesus and loving each other. But there's a huge contrast. And Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, join me in being different. So what does that difference look like? Well, I believe we, we can't really value Jesus. We can't value Jesus until we understand and recognize sin. And we don't like talking about sin. Our culture is the one word, it's a trigger word for our culture. You talk about sin, it's like, ah! You know, can we just love everyone? You talk about love, everyone loves love. But the moment you start talking about sin, it's like, whoa, you know, don't judge. I'm like, See, sin in the Bible is, is a relational brokenness with God. It's primarily not a behavioral concept. It's primarily a relational break with God, missing the mark relationally with God. And when we start to understand sin, we start to understand our need for Jesus. And if we don't understand and recognize, and if we avoid the sin talk, we downplay the need for Jesus. And the more we recognize and understand our brokenness and separation from God, the more we realize how incredibly beautiful Jesus is, what he's done, the cost of him. So valuing Jesus, part of that is recognizing the, the state of humanity without him. And that's a hard discussion to have. That's a hard one to go. You know, the Old Testament is a lot bigger than the New Testament because it's so important we understand the context of our situation as humanity. There's a lot in the Old Testament we unpack our need for saving, our need for being forgiven. Uh, good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people do. We need to come back to it's, it's not about your performance. It's not about your behavior. Your behavior will follow the value systems you have. But when you start to value Jesus and actually own it, you know, I can say I, I, Jesus is my Lord and King but then go through my week ashamed of st- standing out and being different. And like I say, we're not trying to be weird. We're not trying to be obnoxious. But we want to be consistent. Paul, The Apostle Paul has this incredible CV, and he's, uh, he, he lists it in Phil- Philippians 3. talks about how all the wonderful things he's done in human terms. And uh, he uses this word 
that he says in, in verse 7, he says, I, or verse 8, I consider them garbage that I may cr- gain Christ and be found in him. So compared to knowing Christ, my, my, my goodness is like garbage. And that, the Greek word for garbage that they actually use is poo. It's fecal matter. It's, 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 it's so confronting that it's, it's, it has that shock factor. And so he's shocking his disciples. He's like, hey, my, good, my goodness is nothing compared to what, what Jesus is doing and wanting to do in me. So valuing Jesus is valuing and recognizing how far we have, we have gone and how far he's taking us. There's, a beautiful, there's two beautiful parables that uh, Jesus gives us in Matthew 13. Verse 44, and uh, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought that field. Is Jesus precious enough for you to sell everything you have to chase after? That's the value that the kingdom of God that God wants us to have for the kingdom of God, for his, his, his kingdom. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and brought it. I'm not suggesting that we, we all sell our homes and, and give everything to the poor. If God's telling you to do that, be obedient, go for it. But I think it's more about our heart values. When I was at YWAM, I remember the only object I had was my car. It was a little Tahatsu Charade three-cylinder, 0.93 litre. It was an amazing little car. Um, I, I think I filled it up once in like six months, just didn't use fuel. Uh, and I remember like that, I, I, I held that as a, as a valuable commodity in my life. And I remember God just put it on my heart. He said, are you willing to give up this car? Now, it's probably only worth a grand. At the time, I was 17. I'm like, this was significant. It was a significant item. It's the only thing I had. And it took me, I had to wrestle with God. I said, God, yeah, I'm willing to let this one go. I'm willing to, to step away from that. And then the moment I stepped, said I step away from it, God's like, he said to me really clearly, don't sell it. I want you to hang on to it. See, God was more interested in the condition of my heart that I value him and his kingdom than that I hold on to things. And I think that's significant for us. What are we valuing the most? When we value Jesus and truly value him, we can't help but live unashamed lives, lives that glorify Him and love the people around us. Living unashamed lives happens when we actually value Jesus more than our reputation. Now in closing, best words a preacher can give. We just came back from a week away, training week. With, it was about 170, close to 180 young people. And these people from all over Australia in grades 10, 11, 12, or all over Queensland, sorry, they love Jesus. It's a camp for Christian, Christians who just value and love Jesus. And yeah, there's a few quirky weirdos. I was probably one of them. But you know what I loved was watching our young people embrace worship wholeheartedly, singing their hearts out. They don't care what's around them. They don't care about the people around them. They're just falling in love, in love with Jesus. And to see them in the mornings get up and, and spend time in the Word and just dig into the Word, that, that brings me the greatest joy. 
as, as a pastor, as, as someone working with young people, seeing young people take hold of the value of Jesus in their lives and a passion for him, living unashamed lives, you don't need to be weird, but you need to be faithful. Would our John, John Westwood, he was shaped by his fandom, his value. He placed his value on his footy team and it was a greater concern than how he looked. Would our behavior as believers be shaped by the value we place in the person of Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you weren't ashamed of us. Lord, that while we're in our very worst place, you saw it fit to save us. Lord, you loved us. Even if we were the only one alive, you would have still died for us. How deep and real and authentic is your love. Lord, I pray that for, for us today as a community, that we would rediscover that value, that simplicity of the gospel, the good news of you. Lord, that we would rest in the knowledge that you love us and call us to be followers of you and not followers of culture. That we be steadfast and that we defend our faith. Lord, we stand for the things that are true and right, but Lord, not being obnoxious or difficult. Lord, that we don't become the showpiece, but we glorify you. So in standing up for you, Lord, would you help us to fade into the background and promote you and lift you up. It's all about you. So, Lord, we just thank you for this time together. We, we look forward to meeting together next week. And we just pray your blessing over this community as we seek to live out the value system that you're calling us to have. How beautiful are you? Lord, thank you for this time. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.